Why don't I pray uh, before we get into this uh, wonderful, uh, the climax almost, you could say, of uh, the book of Job. Dear God, thanks so much for giving us all things, particularly your word. Please help me to speak clearly and help us all to not only understand what you are saying to us in Job, but respond in uh, awe, fear, trust and obedience. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why does God let us suffer? If he's all-powerful, why doesn't he protect those that he loves from pain and suffering? I used to have an elderly friend who lived in a retirement village. Uh, She'd talk about people in the village all the time and end up telling me their entire medical histories. She told me about one woman who was obviously a Christian. She'd talk all the time about being a Christian and impressed my friend quite a lot for, with her love for others that she had for those in the village. But uh, she got very sick and frail and had an accident after accident so that basically she couldn't do anything but lie in bed and wait to die. My friend would tell me this with a, look, with a very worried look in her face and she'd say, and she believes in God. As if to say, how is it right that God can let this happen? So, why does God let us suffer? I mean, surely if you love someone and you knew why they were suffering, you'd tell them. It'd be cruel not to, wouldn't it? Can you imagine knowing why your friend is going blind and not telling them? There'd be something desperately wrong with me if I knew why Megs, my wife, was in pain and I didn't say anything. Surely if God loves us and sees that we're suffering, he could at least tell us why it's happening. Surely. That's what you do for people you love. I was chatting with a friend of Meg's the other day about this talk that I'm surprised by doing right now. And I mentioned that God doesn't seem to answer Job's question about why he's suffering. And his first reaction was, isn't that just like God? Or maybe you're disappointed with God. You've suffered or you are suffering. You've asked God why and you've heard nothing. Or maybe you're just dissatisfied with the answers you've you've got. If God is loving and just and he loves us, surely we've got the right to know why we're suffering. Well, up to this point in the book of Job, we've heard a lot of human wisdom. First from Job's friend, friends and a, and a young bloke called Elihu. They all reckon Job sinned, that, and that's why he's suffering. So they reckon he needs to repent. But we know they're wrong, because at the beginning of the book of Job, we've seen that God allowed Satan to test, to test Job's love for God by taking everything away. So Job's suffering is not a result of his sin, Job knows he's done nothing wrong, so he blows his friends off as if for knowing nothing at all and starts to question God. He wants to know why he's suffering because he knows he's innocent. And by chapter 31, 
Job wants a personal audience with God so that God can explain himself. Basically, Job's complaint is that God is being unjust. And on this note, Job finishes talking. And that's when God speaks. Finally, we get to hear the truth of the matter. Finally, after 36 chapters of frustrating human wisdom that's gone on and on and round and round in circles, God steps up to the mic to put an end to the matter. Finally, Job will find out why he's suffering. Finally, Job will know what we know. That his suffering is not because of his sin. And we can all go home. End of story. But God doesn't come with an answer. In fact, he comes with more questions. Questions for Job. Questions that show Job's got no idea what he's going on about. Questions that show his complaint about God's justice. Well, they're about as appropriate as a bikini at a funeral. He's on the wrong page. He's way out of his league. And he's way out of his depth. God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator. And Job's got no idea about how God works. He's spoken without knowledge. Take a look at chapter 38, verse 1, which can be found on page 380, I think, of the small print. And if you're looking at the big print, I have no idea where it is. 835. So that's chapter 38, verse 1. Everyone got it? Chapter, eight, 30, chapter 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. And then God hammers Job with question after question to show just how ignorant he is. Questions about the creation of the world. Like verse 4. Verse 4. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Well, surely you know. And then questions about the extremities of the earth. Take a look at verse 18, down a bit. Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me, if you know all this. Questions about the weather and the stars, like verse 3 of chapter 39. Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? And then from verse 39 of chapter 38 through to the end of uh, chapter 39, God questions Job about how a number of animals live and have their being, so to speak, from whether he knows how lions and ravens continue to have food to whether he's smart enough to give the hawk wings to fly. Verse 26, take a look at verse 26 in chapter 39. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread his wings toward the south? All up, God levels 52 questions at Job. Questions about the hows and whys of creation. But how God set up the world, well, it's way over Job's head. He's clueless and he's not even blonde. He's got no idea. God's ways are beyond him. 
So Job's accusations against God, accusations that he's unjust, well, they're completely inappropriate. He doesn't know what he's talking about. How can Job correct and accuse God, the almighty creator? Take a look at verse 1, at chapter 40. Chapter 40, verse 1. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And so, compared to God, Job has to admit he's insignificant. Verse 3. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. Job doesn't back down from his complaint. He's admitted, yep, you're right, God. You're smarter than me. You're more powerful than me. But you still haven't answered my complaint. Job's still waiting for an answer. Verse 5. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Job still wants answers. He wants God to tell him why he's suffering. And he's sticking to his guns until God spills the beans. And Meg's friend would probably think that Job was a hero here. Yeah, good on you, Job. Demand some answers, you deserve them. It's not fair that God won't tell you. Simon Manchester describes Job here as silenced but surly. Job thinks he's got the right to know the answer to his question. Have you ever played a game called Consequences? No, not surprised. I learned it from my grandfather. In groups of three or more, everyone writes down a question, starting with, what happens if... dot, 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 and and you answer it. (laughs) Well, you make the question up. Could be anything. Like, what happens if you slip on a banana peel? Or, what happens if you can't find another word for thesaurus? Then you fold the piece of paper and you pass it on to the person next to you. And then everyone writes down the answer to their question, starting with then, dot, dot, dot. So the answer to the banana question could be, then you slip over. You pass it on again, and then you read out the question with the wrong answer. It could be quite funny, if you're in the right mood. But it's funny because you're not really looking for a serious answer. Well, Job's as good as put his question in writing. And he's passed it on. He's expected an answer, but it seems God's answer is to another question. And this is far from funny. Because Job hasn't quite cottoned on to God's program. God is the all-knowing and all-powerful creator. Job is not. Job will answer God's questions, not the other way around. And clearly, God hasn't got the answer he wants from Job. It's like he's saying, no, no, Job, wrong answer. Let's start over. And so, ding, ding, round two begins. And God repeats himself. Take a look at chapter 40, verse 7. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Job hasn't got where God's coming from. God is the all-knowing and all-powerful creator. If Job doesn't get how creation works, he's got no chance figuring out how God works. And according to God, Job's complaint that he's unjust is not only ignorant, it's wrong. 
Job is actually condemning God. He's coming dangerously close to thinking that he can do God's job better than he can. Take a look at verse 8. Verse 8, where God says, Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? To discredit God's justice is to condemn God. Justice is not a, a thing separate from God that God's got to be accountable to. God is justice. Whatever God does is just. And God can do whatever he wants. His plans can't be frustrated because he's all-powerful. But where God is all-powerful, Job is not. Because Job clearly is not God. So even if Job thinks he knows what justice is, he hasn't got the power to make it happen. He can't bring the wicked to justice. He can't even save himself. And God points this out in verses 9 to 14. And he says to Job with a lot of irony, Well, come on, Job, show us what you're made of. Show us how powerful you are. Crush the wicked, bring them to justice. Then I'll admit you can save yourself. And that your complaint against me is a good one. Take a look at what God says to Job in verse 12 of chapter 40. Verse 12. Look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them in all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. But of course, Job's as powerful as a torch without batteries. He can't stop the wicked. He can't even save himself. If he could, why is he appealing to God to be vindicated? God is the one who is all-powerful. Job is not. And to make the point crystal clear, God goes on to talk about two powerful creatures, the behemoth and the leviathan. Creatures that are way out of Job's control, but not God's. Because he's the all-powerful creator. Everything he made is his. And he's got the power and the right to do whatever he likes with all of it. And so God talks about the behemoth, which is probably a hippopotamus or a, a buffalo, as this incredibly strong and powerful land animal which he made. And no one can capture or domesticate this powerful beast except God. Because as the all-powerful creator, God owns it. Take a, take a look at verse 19. He, the behemoth, ranks first among the works of God. Yet his maker can approach him with his sword. And then in chapter 41, God questions Job about the Leviathan, the other powerful creature, a monstrous and powerful water animal that sounds like a crocodile in places, but more like a dragon in others, with glowing eyes and fire coming out of its mouth. A powerful creature way beyond Job's control, way beyond anyone's control. And that, this is God's point. If nobody has power over the Leviathan, how much less God himself? Who made the Leviathan? God did. And everything else. Who can stand against God and claim he's unjust? Take a look at, at uh, verse 9 of chapter 40. Verse 9. Any hope of subduing him, the Leviathan, is false. The mere sight of him is overpowering. 
No one is fierce enough to rouse him. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. God's the all-powerful creator. Everything he made is his to do with as he pleases. There's no injustice if God gives and then he takes away. It's all his to start with. And Job finally gets the point. He confesses his ignorance and unworthiness. Chapter 42, verse 1. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Job confesses he's spoken in ignorance. He acknowledges there's some knowledge that's just beyond him. Too much for him to appreciate or understand. He's not the all-knowing and all-powerful creator. God is. So when God's justice is beyond comprehension, then it's God's business. And since God obviously knows about how to look after everything that he's made, he can be trusted to be just. God's justice, then, is a matter of trust. If you're feeling a bit dizzy, you don't have to know you've got benign paroxysmal positional vertigo before you trust the doctor to help you stop feeling dizzy. In the same way, Job realises he doesn't have to know why he's suffering to trust that God does and is looking out for him. Before now, Job's faith was based on what he'd heard about God, but now his faith is far stronger for seeing God. Verse 4, 5. Take a look at verse 5. My eyes... My ears, sorry, had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Seeing God makes Job change his mind. From wanting his complaint answered to wanting friendship with God. So he humbly repents. He realised that friendship with God is far more important. Job goes back to the attitude that he had in chapter 1, the one of, that God praised him for, the one of humble submission to God. And this here really is the heart of the whole book of Job. Job's response here is wisdom in action. In the face of suffering, the wise thing to do is fear God and shun evil. We saw that in chapter 28. To fear God or to trust God and shun evil, that's wisdom. Well, here is a wise man. Job's turned from his rights to know why, to do the wise thing, to fear God, to trust him and reject evil. Because as the all-knowing and all-powerful creator, God is trustworthy and just. And unlike Job, well, we've got a greater reason to be wise. We've got a greater reason to trust God to trust him to be just. To trust he's willing and able to work all things for our good. Because he sent Jesus to die for our sins. 
price of death for our sin was paid. Justice has been done. Not only that, Jesus' death for our sins subdued Satan, that powerful beast. Jesus took away Satan's greatest weapon, the threat of eternal death for our sin. God's power over Satan is sure. And so Satan no longer has power over us. And God only ever had our good in mind. He loves us dearly. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us by sending his son to die for us, to make us right before God, to give us eternal life. In Jesus, God's justice, power and love are beyond doubt. He's supremely trustworthy. So we can trust him and trust that all things work together for our good if we trust in Jesus. Even suffering. You can't explain to a two-year-old that they need to have a needle, even if it's to get inoculated for a terrible disease. They won't want it, and they'll beg you with tears not to have it. They're not going to understand when the needle goes into their arm that the pain is for their good. And while you hold them down, they might think you're being cruel and cry helplessly. And all you can do is hug them until it's over. In the same way, God knows all things and is all-powerful. And even though we might know why we're suffering, or can't believe it's for our good, God knows, and he is trustworthy. A bloke called Os Guinness puts it well. He says, Faith may not know why, but it knows why it trusts God who knows why. Faith may not know why, but it trusts, but it knows why it trusts God. Who knows why? So, as Christians, where does that leave us with our rights? Do we have the right to know why God lets us suffer? Well, even if God did explain everything to us, we'd have to ask Him to stop because there's so much we just don't understand. It'd be like trying to fit a couple of elephants in your wallet. We're just not big enough. On top of that, God's a lot smarter than we are. His knowledge is way out of our league. His way, ways are so far over our heads, it'd be like trying to explain fibre optic, optics to plankton. Or severe depression to the happiest person in the world. We're just not going to get it. It's beyond us. And what are we going to do anyway if we don't understand and he doesn't tell us? Can we make him explain himself? Shake our tiny fists in the air? Make some frustrated and angry noises? Sit in a huff? Yeah, that's really going to get God doing what we want. It'll be like a, twi a twig trying to stop a tidal wave. He's the all-knowing and all-powerful creator. He's got the right to do whatever he wants, with whatever he likes. It's all his. He can give and he can take away. This isn't unjust. As the all-knowing and all-powerful creator, God gets what he wants. No plan of his can be frustrated. And you know what? That's a great, great thing if we trust in Jesus. 
because he wants the best for us. So guess what? The best is going to happen. We should be thanking him. He's trustworthy and just. He proved it with Job. He proved it even more by sending Jesus. If you're plagued by why questions and getting close to thinking God isn't being fair, well, you need to repent of your rights to know why. And trust once again in the all-knowing and all-powerful God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't I pray? Almighty God, we exalt you, our God and King. We praise your name forever and ever. You're great and most worthy of praise and your greatness no one can fathom. Your awesome works are powerful. We'll celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Thanks that you're gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Thanks that you're good to all and loving toward all you've made. Thanks that you're righteous in all your ways and near to all who call on you in truth. Thanks that you listen to those who fear you and trust you and save them through trusting in your son, Jesus. Please forgive us for ever questioning your justice or your goodness. Help us to keep trusting in you through Jesus, even when we're suffering. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.